from the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. And with me this week, as always, is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. His name is Sean, and he is also the authority on Michigan beer. Sean, how are you doing today? How the hell are you, you wooden-headed bastard? I Yeah, I went on a little bit of a cleansing trip after watching this stupid fucking movie, so I'm doing okay. What are you, are you talking about? Do we watch movies? Do we talk about movies on this? If we have a topic this week that we'll get to shortly. We do have a topic this week. It it's, is a Monday. We record on a Monday. Is it? I thought it was a Tuesday. Take a drink. Take a drink? Yeah, the drinking game we're developing on around this show. I mean, we claim it's Monday even when we don't record on Monday now. So what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching? That's a great, that's a great question. So let's get into it. Yeah. Let's, let's get it on. Let's do it on the bus. So on the bus on, you can, you can do it on the boat. This past weekend was the big, we're, you know, recording a little bit ahead of time, but was the big Paul Fury fight that has been put off for about two years or so. So that was finally this past weekend. And I ended up watching that a lot of just tomato cans getting punched around and amateur barely out of amateur fighters there were there was a championship fight which was a cruiserweight fight which i don't i mean jake paul technically Wait, fights cruiser, a cruiserweight yeah it's like cruiser. below it's below heavyweight but above middleweight okay it's like a catch weight it's like kind of in between and you don't really like evander holyfield was a cruiserweight is that just a boxing thing or is that uh i don't feel like i've heard that term before it's a boxing division it's a weight division hmm. Okay. I don't know how other, what other way, I don't know the, well, what, I don't know no, the range. Would it be, is it in any other combat sports? Like, I don't remember that in UFC or well, in, UFC um, doesn't have the same kind of weight, says boxing. Yeah, I didn't think so. But, but anyway, Evander Holyfield started his career, his professional career as a cruiserweight. Anyways, and you may have heard of him, but anyways, so I finally get through the, the cruiserweight championship title that was just like a 31 year old guy got beat by a 39 year old guy named uh, Badu Jack who I've never in my life heard of. But anyways, this Logan Paul, Tommy Fury fight was an eight round fight. And this is how this is. I used to really watch boxing a lot. I used to really be into it. And the thing that kind of started putting me off of it was number one, I like UFC a lot better. And number two, there are all these divisions and there are all these weight classes and there are all these, you know, organizations like the WBO or, you know, the different boxing organizations these two fighters are combined, including this fight, have a, this was their th- 13th, I think. I think Tommy Fury was 8-0 and and Logan Paul, or I'm sorry, Jake Paul was 4-0. and That's 12 fights. This would be their 13th fight. And the WBO, I believe the World Boxing Organization, made up a belt. Like they just, it's like the Ridia Championship because it was in Saudi As Arabia. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just make up a belt. And so this fight was a title fight for this made up belt that they just made up. The ref was awful. He took a point from each fighter. I heard that. I Well, I heard you bitching about it, yeah. too. But I had a, another friend who was bitching about it and started posting videos of Paul bitching about it. And I was like, I don't give a shit about this fight. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, when you box, you hold. Like, when you get, you get in a clinch, yeah. you clinch. And they clinched all the time. So, you know, that kept happening. And the, at the end... So, spoiler for a fight that by the time you listen to this will be at least a week and a half old. Tommy, yeah, well, whatever. 
time. Just a concept. What is time anyways? But anyways. Math. Yeah. Yeah. Math is hard. So Tommy Fury wins. The this is this is the scorecards. It was like it was a split decision. It was something like I want to say it was like 75-74 Paul. And the next two guys had it 76-73, which that's a pretty big gap. You know, you get 10 yeah. points winning a round if it's a good round. I mean, if you do a crap round, it could be a tie or whatever. But that's a big gap. What was this other judge seeing? Like, there's no standardization as to how you judge boxing. And, and there are all these fights. And UFC, you're starting to see it a lot now, too. Rashes of these fights where what are the judges watching, you know, for who wins? Yeah, it's actually, I've been on a little bit of a UFC break because of football season, but the last Holly Holm fight, which was right around the time that football was starting, was like that, where I remember watching, like, what the fuck fight did these judges watch? Because it sure wasn't the same fight I watched. So I watched that, and I mean, I didn't put a lot of, in, I it was just kind of on in the background. It was a 2 p.m. fight, because again, it was in Saudi Arabia, so on Sunday, nonetheless. But I watched that, and then the new WWE biography documentary came out. I didn't finish it, but it's Jake the Snake. So my wife has been getting into these documentaries with me now. So she's like, well, don't watch the rest of it without me. And we have about, I'd say we have like half of it to go. So he's got a really checkered history and his dad was, sounds like he was a big asshole and a pedophile and all this other stuff. So I've heard that story a lot. He's another one who, not that we care to bring him up too often, but he did a really good like Rogan episode where he went on for, I think he talked for like four hours and I was, they got, We've said before, like for me, that shows all about whoever his guest if it, guest is. If he has an interesting guest, I'll pay attention to it for a, a while. And that one was fantastic. Have you ever seen Beyond the Mat, the documentary? Yeah, about Mick Foley and think Jake I've the seen, Snake. I don't think I've seen his episode or whatever. Well, it's just a it's a movie. Oh, then no, I haven't. I'm thinking of a different one. At the time that they recorded that or they filmed that movie, he was like a crackhead. Like he smokes crack on camera. Jake the Snake does so. He's come back. He's come a long way. I mean, I think he was, did a, for lack of a better term, rescued by Diamond Dallas Page and all his DDP yoga or whatever, power yoga. Yeah, he's he goes on about that in that I mean, interview. Scott Hall was another one that was kind of, again, rescued, air quotes. So that's pretty much what I've been watching. That was with just within the last few days. We, we just recorded recently, so I haven't gotten a chance to watch a lot, but those are two of the big standout things that I'd watched. So I... um. Also watched a little WWE documentary, but I watched the first one that you had. I basically caught up on two things that you had recommended that I had, hadn't gotten around to yet. So I watched the first one of whatever season this is of that WWE documentary no, with the NWO three. stuff, which was pretty entertaining. I forgot how borderline cringe <laughs> NWO was kind of most of the time. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's funny, too, because it's kind of a route. Was that either right before around the same time of the Attitude Era of WWE? I think the Attitude Era was brought on because WCW was doing so well with with the NWO storyline, because that's really when it may. Well, I don't know, but I think that's when they really started to get into the, all the backstage stuff. They show them at the end when WCW got bought out by WWE, like. Stone Cold and Hogan are there, like buddy buying it up in the ring and stuff. So they had to intersect at least a little bit. But for whatever reason, it's amazing that I can say this: the WWE version of that era just seems a little less cringe, a little more comic booky 
than what the WCW stuff was. The WCW stuff, especially with like Hogan throwing brother in every other word. And I like that they call him out on it in the episode. Yeah, they did train him to not say brother so often. Right. <laughs> brother. I don't know. There's something about it. I was just like, man, this just like reeks of old guy trying to do the cool thing. And he's still wearing like his spandex pants while he's doing it. All the other guys have like, you know, jeans and shit on. And I don't know. It was entertaining to watch for what it was. I mean, all those guys are in their late thirties and forties. Like how hip, how hip are, well, I mean, how, how hip Hogan, are we? Who was, Hogan was probably he's in his mid forties at that point. Now, people, people think he's a lot older than he is. Well, he looks like a sack of shit. I mean, lives on the side of a cliff that faces the sun 24 hours a day. So he's just all leather pretty much. And I'm not hip. I never was hip. I wasn't hip when I was 15. I'm not going to be hip at 40. But it's like listening to your, you know, your dad's friends try and be cool when you're a teenager. It's like you don't, you're not in the, you're not in the zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Yeah. You're not like following all the trends. You're just getting it secondhand and it's already 10 years old by the time you talk about it or they do. I caught up uh, and watched the Pez Outlaw, which I liked that a lot. That was a very entertaining little documentary. Side note to that, I was in East Lansing this weekend, and as I was driving around, I was like, wonder if that guy, where that guy is. Like, there's so many, like, open fields and stuff out there. It's not like I'm going to just book, oh, there he is. But I like the, I think my favorite part of that whole documentary was watching him walk into some factory in Germany, I think it was. And he's got these, like, pastel pink, like, combat boots on as he's going through the airport looking like a hobo with pink boots on. I thought that was great. Then after this like bullshit excuse of a movie that we watched, I, for whatever reason, I apparently went on a little bit of a Jonah Hill binge. Yeah, I'm not really sure that's why. A, that's an interesting choice. Well, I, I started with the movie um You People, which I thought was going to be a comedy movie because it stars Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill. And it kind of is, but it's kind of really not. Like it's more of a drama than anything else. And it, it's, I mean, it's well done, but it's also, it, makes you uncomfortable quite a bit and i think that's what it's supposed to do so i guess it succeeds at that but or i have no desire to watch it again even though it's really well casted acted all that crap then just kind of fell into some old stuff like super bad and 40 old virgin so i was like oh i guess i'm just gonna have jonah hill on all weekend and then i finished all that up with happy gilmore which does not have jonah hill so essentially i watched some really questionable material for this show and then a bunch of crap not just more crap? No, well, different kind of crap. I don't know. Pez Outlaw might have been the, the highlight of my weekend, TV-wise. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was a good It was a good documentary. Yeah, and I don't know, it's interesting, and it's funny because when we talked about that before, I figured, oh, they probably came after with taxes. You're like, oh, no, it was much worse. And yeah, you were right. It was it was much worse. Pretty much so, trying to destroy him financially. They did. And it, yeah, destroy. and it worked. Right. But I guess that happens when you take on the, the big wigs of the uh, Pez world, the right? The big Pez, yeah. Got anything else we want to cover before we get into this uh, next thing? No, I'm ready to rumble. All right. So so this is Crummy Movie March. This is the second, the second week of Crummy Movie March, and I think we appropriately talk about it, or will talk about a Crummy movie. I think Crummy is selling this, overselling this movie. Well, let's talk about it. What movie are we going to talk about, John? Ugh. <laughs> this week we're <laughs> oh boy this is exactly what you wanted huh you didn't even know you were getting yourself into did you 
No, I did. Uh, this doesn't surprise me at all. I knew this movie was going to come up eventually. I just was not looking forward to it. So were you familiar with the movie before? But So this movie, what we're going to talk about, is called Black Devil Doll from Hell. It's from 1984. It's like written, directed. Movie is also overselling this this Edited, etc. By Chester Novell Turner, whose previous, well, actually the work that comes after this is a movie called Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. We didn't watch that, which arguably is worse than this one. But had you heard about this? Had you Have you heard about Black Devil Doll from Hell before this? Yeah, and I've seen clips of it, and I've seen, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with what this movie was before I had actually sat down to watch it. I don't feel like I missed much by not watching it prior to this, but, well, let's, let's do our usual thing here. So, like you mentioned, this movie is titled Black Devil Doll from Hell. It's from 1984, and the quick little plot read-off here is, a woman buys a doll at a magic shop. Unbeknownst to her, the doll is possessed by an evil spirit, and it proceeds to take her over. That is like a super inaccurate description of what might or might not happen in this movie, but okay. I think you could probably read the storyline that's on IMDb, and you would get you would get all the story out of it. You wouldn't get some of the nuances, of course. Uh, no. s- some scenes that we'll talk about. If you read the quotes in it, you would definitely get the nuance of it because the quotes, although they look funnier in print. Yeah. I'm not sure that humor, although this is listed as a comedy. Yeah. Comedy horror. Right. But let's talk about the storyline. Let's read. I'll read the storyline. Kate. A woman buys an antique doll at a thrift store and does not realize that it is cursed. The doll uses its powers to seduce her while she is asleep and then escape back to the store. She starts to lose interest in sexual activities with her partners as the doll is able to give her a much better satisfaction. So she sets out to find it, comma, but with deadly consequences. This was uh, written by Sean D. Wallace, no relation. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good summary. <laughs> I didn't realize that people are usually related by first, first name. name. Yep. I would say that's almost a good summary. I mean, the typos aside. Well, I wasn't even talking about the typos. I mean, th- this kind of ignores like this movie is you know the the main character in this movie what's her name helen i think yeah helen she's like religious bible thumbing nut job to start this movie and i guess she is up until about 15 minutes or so into this movie roughly she i mean this movie has like a five minute panning shot around her house just to show all the jesus shit she has all over her house and that while she talks on the phone about how she doesn't want to like hook up with people something along those lines well i have i have to interrupt you because this movie it it's runtime i think is listed at about 115 one hour and 10 minutes and about 40 minutes of that is credits well 12 minutes 12 minutes definitely of the movie are opening credits and ending credits the yeah, so I, I guess I didn't really get the. I've seen this a couple times, but I I get the impression that Helen, God, how, you are glutton for punishment I, I, if you've I seen do. this a couple times. I hate myself just a little bit, but I whip myself with leather straps uh, before everybody gets up in the morning, and I cry a little bit. But and mostly from seeing this movie, but I get the impression that Helen 50 is lashes for every time that it, you play it. I I knock five off every time I watch it, so I'm trying to pay it back. You're working down to zero. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get a <laughs> where are you at now? Net zero. Well, I'm about fifteen left. Fifteen a day. So <laughs> but I get the idea that Helen is like a not necessarily a virgin, but like a very set like a 
not well, someone is a born again Christian. Yeah, someone who just is not like sex is not part of her day to day her life interest. at all. Yeah, she's just like she's like a I don't know. I don't really know what the definition of a spinster is, but I guess I kind of think of her as like a spinster. I guess maybe that's more of a, I mean, she got, she got to be in like her thirties. It's kind of frumpy dresses, a little dowdy spinster meaning spinster is a unmarried woman, typically an older woman beyond the usual age for marriage. Eh, regardless, she just doesn't. Is there an urban dictionary version of this? She, that's probably more accurate. She doesn't get, she doesn't get it much. No, no. Well, she's actively like fending it off. it. Yeah. She's yeah. like, Lapping the dicks away. She's like, no, thank you. She might as well be. Go point so, that thing at someone else, please. Goodbye. So tying all this wonderful storytelling together is the composition of Chester Novell Turner and his wonderful ear for music. The, the stylings that only a preset from a Casio keyboard could love. Yeah. You know, we've brought up the Casio keyboard soundtrack more times than I could probably make a drinking game out of that too. But this movie takes it to a whole different level of Casio keyboard shittery. But, um, but we do get the opening credit. We do get this amazing guitar laden song, which I kind of read a little bit about the backstory of this movie. When this was sold, the, I guess he got Chester Turner got basically screwed on the deal i mean so they took the movie and if you I notice think at the in end, retrospect if he sold this movie whoever bought it got, got screwed. screwed on the yeah. deal well he made so he if you look at the end credits there's an edit like edited by and it was probably edited on a camcorder because it was definitely filmed on a camcorder but it says edited by chester novell turner and then re-edited by i don't remember the guy's name it's like a I noticed that I thought someone didn't do their job. Well, I think that they tried to pad out the runtimes so that that's why the, the intro has that big, like they try to make it like a bit of a metal, heavy, heavy metal kind of riff song at the beginning and at the end. So they re-edited it to kind of make it longer, you know, to pad out the movie so they can sell it another time around. I mean, you want to make sure you have enough time to get this in syndication, right? Yeah. You want it to be on all the, all the cable networks. Oh, and by the way, when we were talking about this last week, or when we were talking about watching this, there's a website that the audience may or may not be aware of. It's called Just Watch. So if you go on JustWatch.com, you can search up movies, and they show you where you can buy them or rent them, where you can maybe watch them for free. So you'll see Plex, or you'll see Tubi, or Pluto, or the one that looks like an ice cream sandwich. It's actually one of the apps that I use on my phone more than most. Well, if you look up Devil Black Devil Doll from Hell, they have... It's not... There's nowhere you can watch it for free online, but they have a clip. And I was very shocked. I mean, I was legitimately shocked that the clip that they use, I used to run a B-movie website called internalbleeding.net, and I would post video clips on YouTube and link them so that, you know, it would be a better visual aid. I think I, I literally said, I don't know, I like exclaimed joy, which doesn't happen very much in my life. And it was the video that I had <laughs> cut from the movie on YouTube was used on this website. It's like my big claim to fame now that I'm the one that, that put you wooden headed bastard on YouTube for just watch to, to use for their own devices. So I was, I'm a little, I'm, I'm minorly proud about that. Is there such a thing as claim to shame? Because it could be that, Hey, I'm just trying to spread the word. <laughs> okay. Mr. Turner, if you'd <laughs> like to cut a check care of Dewey yeah. Pot Monster, I'm sure he's got like $4 in the bank. that checks <laughs> Rubbing gonna... some nickels together. Uh, yeah. 
So why don't you kind of take the lead on this? Like, what do you want to talk about in this this thing that we that you've subjected me to for Crummy Movie March? I, I think that this kind of sums up this movie. Well, part of it. We talk about movies like this, or we talk about these crummy movies or B-movies or movies, and we say, hey, look at IMDb. Look at the actors, and they almost, if they're, they've been in much of nothing, it'll be the picture from this movie. If you look on IMDb for Black Devil Doll from Hell, there is a picture for no one. There is not a picture. This, this I was actually surprised that some of these people wanted their name on this movie as a cast member, and most of them are like, First lover, second lover, church friend. There's no names to any of these characters. Like pastor. Is that yeah. one on there? Probably. Preacher. 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 Okay. I mean, basically, she, like we said in the storyline, she goes to this magic shop. They call it a magic shop. You call it like a curio shop or something. And it's like a flea market to me. Well, it's like, but it's a one building with, yeah, with a bunch yeah. of junk. It's a, a, it's like Sanford and Son, basically. And she goes in, she's looking for something. She finds this doll and the woman, the storekeeper or whatever, tells her about the story of the doll. Basically, this, I don't know, Caribbean, I don't remember exactly how she puts it, but there, someone put a spell on this doll and it, people come and they buy it, but the, it always returns. The, the great thing about this scene is when the lady's trying to tell you the story and the backstory of this doll, the music is so ear piercingly loud that it drowns out the dialogue and you can't hear what she's saying. So I think that's kind of like a, I don't know. That's like an analog to this entire movie. Like the music is ridiculous. There's so many extemporaneous, just long shots of things that you don't need to have. Like uh, there's a, a, I don't know, a 45 to a minute long shot of her putting the doll in a box. And it's not like this. It's shot at these different angles. It's a one camera movie, like one angle the entire time. Whereas like another movie, they might show it from inside the box and you're opening the box, you're putting the doll in. No, this is a minute shot of her, you know, doing whatever. She's talking on the phone with her friend. There's like two minutes of just panning back and forth in the in the house, in her house. When she gets the doll home for some inexplicable reason, she puts the doll in the bathroom while she takes a shower and that awakens the doll and somehow influences her to masturbate in the shower while fantasizing about the doll, giving it to her, giving her the business. and. She has this dream. It's like a, a bad dream. And it, it comes true. Like the doll jumps on her back. It knocks her out. And then it basically, it, it has sex with her, rapes her, essentially ties her up. And she gets pleasure from this doll, like this pleasure that she can't describe. And so she starts, again, she was kind of this, you know, celibate individual. And she starts just pulling dudes off the street or going to the bars to pick up dudes. And they just can't, they just can't do it like the doll can. So she goes back to get the doll and the doll doesn't react to her until she starts getting upset. And then the doll, his glowing eyes, I don't know, psychically somehow kill her. And then you see the, the spoiler alert for this, you know, ridiculous movie that you'll probably never be able to find a watch. The doll ends up back at the store and another lady comes and buys it. And she freaks out when the doll starts coming to life. No one believes Helen that the dog, the doll comes to life this movie it's not so much the story i mean i think that the concepts of the story and you can you can tell me your your side of it i think the concepts of the story it's a really good idea it's it's a, a the perfect example of a great idea with like extremely poor execution 
Chester Novell Turner does not know at this time, 1984, doesn't know how to convey this movie in any other way or else he would have. But I think that Woody, I don't know that. Do you think that if he had all the training in the world, he went to film school, this is still the movie that he would have made? I'm going to say maybe. I mean, I think maybe some of the plot points are going to be the same. But this movie, to me, and this is probably going to be a really short episode because there's this movie can be boiled down to a 30 minute Tales from the Dark Side episode. Oh, it'd probably be less than that if you really wanted to do it. Did right. Tales from the Dark Side do two stories in the half hour? I so, think so. So it could be like a Monsters episode. Yeah. Or half a Tales from the Crypt episode or something like yeah. that. And it's to me, it's not so much the story, it's the ridiculousness of this doll. Like we we talked about it with Chucky. There are scenes where there's a somebody in a suit, in a Chucky suit that's dancing around. We talked about it in Mithrigan a little bit, but it's done much better in Mithrigan. But in this movie, Chester Novell Turner just had his friends come and they acted. So it's the acting is what you would expect to see from a bunch of friends filming a movie. But there's scenes where the, the puppet has to move around and the, the, the it's like an eight year old. Yeah, it's like his nephew. And this puppet, it looks like Rick James. I think that's the part that is hilarious. So it is actually designed after Rick James. I saw I don't I did see one thing. Leading up to this, it's like, I guess I should try to have something to talk about in this. The reason he looks the way he did is because I guess Super Freak had just came out or something and was his turn of like that album. So he designed the doll to look like Rick James, which that part I'm kind of okay with. And I th- I would have to think that the characterization, I mean, Rick James is Rick James. He's a known commodity, but I feel like Dave Chappelle had to have seen this movie because the chart, the, the Rick James character says some of the same things that this doll says when the doll talks. He sounds like the Rick James voice that you would hear from Chappelle show that everybody's like so familiar with. I just feel like this movie must have made the rounds. I know now it's kind of like a thing. They've, it's been re-released on DVD. It's just a VHS rip basically that got redistributed on, on DVD. But I, I feel like this was like a had to have been a big underground tape trading kind of movie because it, there weren't that many copies of this made. So let me ask you here. You said that you think this is a good concept for a movie. When you say that, do you mean like the whole idea of a possessed doll doing creepy things or what specifically happens in this movie with this doll? No, I think that what I'm saying is that the idea that a woman that is, again, very celibate, very religious, goes and picks up a doll. The doll comes to life. It gives her this undescribable pleasure that she'll never get again and it makes her renounce religion splinters well i think he i don't even think he well he no he he does do some some pumping and sweating but i feel like that makes her renounce her religion and then this doll Mm. goes to basically it just keeps doing the same thing i think that's a good idea i think it's a good story it's creepy i don't like dolls especially the dolls i mean this is a ventriloquist dummy that's like there is a certain level of hell that is reserved for ventriloquist dummies and people that use them or are controlled by them. Maybe, maybe it's a reverse interaction, but yeah, I just think that that whole idea is, is really interesting and can be done in a way that makes it creepy and horror and kind of scary in its own. Like it's, it's disturbing. Like it's a disturbing idea, I think. So there are a couple things that I'll give points of credit to i do find it humorous when the doll randomly opens his mouth and smoke comes out 
but it doesn't look like it's coming out from his mouth. It's just kind of around. Like I imagine someone's just like popping on a cigar or something, right, just blowing it, blowing off, smoke off in the camera yeah, or something to that effect. But it is a funny effect because they do it like three or four times in the movie. And it's within probably like a 10 minute segment of this thing. I refuse to call this a film, Ugh. but it's within like a 10 minute run where the, this keeps happening. And I, I thought that was kind of funny that they, you know, any effect that's in this movie, they reuse at least everything twice. It seems like I do like when the doll, his eyes light up and he like freaks out. I thought that was kind of a fun. Is it a good effect? No, no. But it looks humorous for what it is. So it's got that going for it. And the way that Helen acts out her death scene, and I think this is right after his eyes light up yeah, and freak it is. out. Like yeah. she basically just spins around in circles naked for like a minute and then like falls over bleeding, if I remember right. Yeah, I think blood like pours out of her, out her eyes, or eyes and her nose and her mouth very sparingly. It's not like a super gory scene. No, you could tell the budget was used on the eye lightning thing going on with Humpty Dumpty here or Devil Doll from Humpty Dumpty, whatever he is. But yeah, I don't know. I just, there's the thing about this movie that I don't like is, you know, this is very clear, clearly a black exploitation film. Like it's right in that neighborhood of like, I don't even know how to describe that like subgenre film. I but, don't know if I've seen that thrown around black exploitation. I don't really know if I agree with that. Okay. I mean, it has a black cast. It has a black director. It has a black crew, if there even is a crew. Okay. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I, guess, I, I just feel like it's, well, and it's I just a shittily too. made like horror to, movie. I mean, in fairness, I don't really know what defines you know, that term. Yeah, it defines that. I could tell you what defines a slasher movie or what defines a, you know, action movie. But I, I've watched a few more of those. So I just, I feel like, you know... I'm not going to go ahead and critique this based on like, well, this movie looks like shit. Well, clearly, I guess guess the the term is if it's a black, black actors and was set aimed at a black audience. Okay. So by that definition, yes. Uh, Was this aimed at an audience? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who, who was going to see this, you know, like it was kind of like when we talked about never too young to die, who was this movie made for? It was this movie just like a side thing that turner wanted to make and he's like hey let me show it to my friends and somebody's like you should sell this this is great or this is this is something (laughs) you could make a dollar on this i mean as crazy as a movie is never too young to die is i feel like that's gonna have a much better chance at finding an audience just by the fact that there's somewhat competent filmmaking going on in that like there's a lot of problems in that movie but there's a beginning a middle and an end sort of you know they do have some elements of like writing a script you know, things like that. They know how to walk around with a camera to some extent. You know, this has none of that. This is like what they, happens. They put it when, on a tripod. There was a tripod used. It's not shaky. Probably in one of the shots. Well, the guy manning the puppet was definitely in one of the shots. So Actually, that I wouldn't know. surprise me. A couple times. This is kind of what happens when like when you, you fuck steal a stranger the camera. in the Alps, Larry. That too. But when you seal the camera from the drama room on the weekend or the AV room and go make your own little like you know whatever side quest film this is going to be and then have to have everything back by monday before your teacher finds out this is what happens is you get some fucked up movie like this except somehow everyone in the cast is like in their mid-30s but i think it's a good thing that you can you know it might not be a good movie but it's you know it's it's a i don't know it's a it's showing the enduring human spirit or creativity or some bullshit like that but i think it's good to to do 
things like this, you know, it doesn't, not everything has to be a masterpiece. <laughs> no, that's true. And I can appreciate that. And you know what, if, if this guy, if Chester Turner went on and made some like amazing film piece after this, maybe we'd look back on this and it'd be this little footnote on his career as like, oh, look at where he started and all this, but yeah, it could be like the bad taste of his career. Yeah. Although that's miles and miles beyond what this is as far as like filmmaking is True. concerned. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure every, I mean, shit, this looks like a Kevin Smith movie to some extent, and he's been making movies for three decades now. So I'm sure every filmmaker at some point has some kind of piece of shit film like this or some piece of shit work where they just kind of went out with a camcorder and, and started like this. I'm not sure many of them sold it or wanted people to see it, especially after they continued, you know, working on their craft. But I guess it's admirable that he did make a movie, and that's more than I can say. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Sometimes where you start is where you finish, roughly. Yeah. And I think that just the financing and stuff, he just, he didn't think anybody was watching it. And he, he got kind of screwed on some deals when he was making a, these two movies. And he just decided to call it quits. And I can't really blame him for it. I mean, there was so many, so much discussion about, oh, he died in a car accident or, you know, this happened to him or you know, the lost movie. And I think it's all this lore that gets built up from something as crazy as this when you don't hear from the creator and it just kind of exists out there. There's all, you know, the lore behind how the movie was made, the stuff about the movie that sometimes that's more interesting than the movie itself. And I think this movie is a case of that where the story behind it. And like I said, the lore just kind of has a bigger life than the movie itself. So I'm going to guess this Budget is incorrect. If it says anything more than $100, I think they're probably wrong. It says it has an $8,000 budget. In 1984 dollars? Well, presumably it'd be $1983 because you would have had to make the movie before it came out. He wrote the script in like three weeks. It could have been made and I edited guess. and you're, released. You're, you're right. This, this could have been the, you know, 1984 Christmas classic Black Devil Doll from Hell. I right. don't know. Yeah, if they would have just would have held on to it. Just put a Santa hat on it and yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. So I think we don't like to talk as long as the runtime of the movie. This is an extremely short, <laughs> you know, we're saying an hour 10. Is that what we said? And, and 12 minutes of it's it. An hour credits. 10. Yeah. So we're getting, we're getting up there. I mean, we're not close, but why don't we just, there's, there's not, really much not to a say. lot to talk about yeah, because it's not, the, there's not it's, much that goes on. It's a lot of it is the effects, how ridiculous, how silly the puppet looks, stuff like that. So, because I subjected you to this, I want to hear your hot dog rating first, and I'll I'll follow up. You're not going to like it, or you will. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't make it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I still like this better than the last movie I rated really low, which was about a bus with ghosts or something. Wow. I'm very surprised, but go ahead. I, I'm Because I think I gave that a one. I'm going to give this two hot dogs out of, I don't know, 10 electric eye boogaloos, I guess. I mean, realistically, you probably shouldn't watch this movie. This is one of the few movies that I watch at, at any point in my life. And I've just been like, I don't feel like I should be watching this. Like, it's that kind of like raunch. There's like brief, brief, like super brief. I mean, the movie's brief, but there's brief moments of humor, like very, very seldom in it. And if you just are devoid of moral i guess you could claim that the the dialogue that i mean i guess out of context it's kind of funny like what the doll actually says and is like two lines of dialogue wake throughout up, this movie yeah wake up bitch. But, yeah pretty much 
we're quoting the, that's a direct quote from the movie, yeah. no less. Yep. But I think just from what you see on the opening credits of this movie, that your expectation should be about 15 rungs lower than what we got from that other shitty movie that we are referring to. I, again, I don't know how you watch the first 10 seconds of this movie without being like, oh, well, this is going to be a, a fresh, <laughs> this is going to be a fresh steaming pile of something. This is going to be a total shit show and I'm down for it. And that's pretty much what it is. Like you're, whether you listen to this episode or not, like if you ever find your way into watching this movie, if you can get past the credits, you shouldn't be surprised by anything that happens after that. Well, I think the experience of watching this movie is is better than the movie itself i i can <laughs> as I've, me- I've mentioned a few times i can appreciate what turner was trying to do with the movie i don't think that creativity is something that should be stifled i also give a lot of credit that this movie was was even made in the first place it's you can just watch this and you can tell it's a labor of love nobody got paid novel turner from what i've read paid everyone but never got paid for this movie w- with all that being said this is probably one of the worst movies i've ever seen I, I feel like it's got an, an, it's actually got an interesting story, but technically it cannot. I don't know how technically it could get any worse. The sound is bad. You can sometimes barely make out what people are saying. The music is worse. Yeah. I mean, it is Cassia Tone keyboard at its finest with a few drum breaks, drum fills kind of peppered in there every once in a while. And the acting, like I said before, is what you would expect when you ask your friends to be in your movie. Saying that this movie is good is like telling a three-year-old that some of their finger paintings should be in a museum. It might be special to you, and it might be the special to the person that made it, but it's not good. The whole thing, like we I've said earlier, could be, and you kind of rebuffed me on that, but I think it could be a segment of a Tales from the Dark Side episode. I don't think it's a good movie, but I think it should be seen to be believed. I don't think there's a way that I could convey all just the weirdness that happens in this movie if you're a fan of like obscure or bizarre movies movies that should have never been made i think this is one to watch i give it one greasy faced ventriloquist dummy out of six hot dogs following the march hot dog scale that i've made for crummy movie march i totally forgot about that john i stick with a gimmick god damn it i stick with it that's fine i forgot about it yeah, I think that's all we got. I, I got nothing else to say about this stupid dog. <laughs> we're we're teetering on the edge of being as long the runtime of the movie right now. Well, we we talked about other stuff for a few minutes before this, so but we are getting close to that. And you did claim that this month was going to break me, and I don't I don't know. I don't think that I don't think it's going to get any worse than what we just watched. So we're definitely at a at a valley. And I want to hear from the audience too. If you have seen this movie, what do you think of it? Do you think that we're like off base? Because I feel like this is a movie that this is almost like an episode for two people. Like, I feel like you and I are two of the people who have seen it. And of the people that listen to this podcast, there's probably a lot of people who have never seen this. will never get the chance to see this movie. So if you have seen it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I can think of one person who replies to us on a regular basis that probably has a 50 50 shot of having seen it past that. I don't know. I just like, I mean, I really like to look and find those movies that are just so weird or things that are so obscure that like, have you seen this movie? I, I like to be the guy that's like, I have seen that movie. It's awful, mm-hmm. you know? So that's really what kind of drew me to this movie initially. And now it's one of those things where it's like, have you seen this? If You know, it's one of those things where you feel like you have to spread, you have to spread the, I don't know, the deplorable quality of it onto other people. 
I think it's interesting how we kind of balance each other out on like the weird crappy shit that we find because you find stuff like this and I find like the video store turds that somehow find their way to other like this probably wasn't in a video store. No, it was. They said somebody said that the guy that somebody did one in a video store, the guy that redistributed this movie, he had heard all the tales about, you know, the director Chester Novell Turner and that he had, you know, died and all this stuff. And he went in some random video store and he was like, hey, he knew that the guy lived in the area or that he he did like the movie was filmed in this area. So he went in and he asked if he had ever heard of him or heard of the movie. And the guy at the at the rental place or whatever was like, we used to have a copy of that movie, but it got stolen. And the guy lives like right. You know, the guy who made the movie lives right down the bl- and that's how he got hooked up with him to re-release this on DVD. Just think that somewhere out there, someone stole a copy of this movie. Yeah, I heard that the copy knowingly. I was reading something that a copy of it sold for like twelve hundred dollars or something. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure there's a like there's collectors first for pressing, everything. Like, yeah, v- first VHS. Pressing. That's hilarious. Yeah, you think there'd be a like second press? I mean, theoretically. Anyway, this list uh, for Crummy Movie March is entirely curated by Sean. So, you know, we'll see how this goes. Like, there might have to be a. Revenge, like, I don't know, maybe we'll do a Leanna Quigley month or something just to get revenge on you for this. We'll see how it goes. Hey, John, it can only get better from here. Can it? You think it can get worse? Absolutely. Okay. It can always get worse. All right. I don't think it will, but it can. For your sake, I hope not. Eh, you know, I drink a lot. I can forget things. All right. I think that's all we got. We're we're running up on runtime of this film, so film. I just called it a film. What the fuck is wrong with me? You know, again... Any feedback on this episode or any episode will be greatly appreciated. We always appreciate if you like, share, review, talk to your friends, hold them down and put earbuds in their ears and make them listen to this. Whatever you got to do, it helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Also, you can find this episode or any other episode. If, you, if you're listening to this, you probably already found this episode, but all our episodes are at, on our site at Crapped Out Town, which is readily available. And... As always, you can find us on all the social media networks. Just search Dewey Podmonster. We are generally patrolling that type of muck, too. Um, John, tell them where they can find you. When I'm not braiding my ventriloquist dummy's hair, I am making videos over at Draft Therapy. You can find out more about that at youtube.drafttherapy.com, where we've been doing some interviews. We're kind of shifting gears on the channel about kind of doing more interviews at breweries and and beer adjacent things you can also find yeah paranormal we're not i don't think we're going to do that but you can find (laughs) out more about draft therapy on all the social media networks at draft therapy yeah that's it that's all we got you sure yeah i'm pretty sure we'll talk to you next week cheers Three, two, one. <laughs> Let's start. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good night.